0: Welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Doing great, how are you, sir?
0: Good. For those of you who uh, are, I know we have a lot of listeners and watchers, but for those of you joining us for the first time, also for your returning guests, the goal here for us on the So What podcast is to answer that real, real hard question of so what. We ask hard questions when it comes to technology, GovCon, etc. and I'm lucky enough every week to be joined by someone a lot smarter than me, Will Lester. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for that joining. Makes- And again, the goal for us is to discuss the topic and get to that ultimate, so what? So with that, Will, thank you so much for joining. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Well, sure.
1: Um, Thank you, Benny. I appreciate the opportunity to be on with you today. So Will Lester, I I lead our engineering efforts at at NTS. I've been here for about five years now. Held various roles at the company from on-site engineer to program manager to business development and capture to um, you know, running our R&D recently, and then uh, now taking over all of engineering. So uh, really passionate about technology, but also the intersection of, of people and taking care of relationships uh, and, and, and the customer ultimately.
0: Yeah, so. we can't do anything technology related without people and, and having those people perform. So I appreciate you Will. Thank you for joining, thank you for your time. Our topic today, and this is something I know that's near and dear to your heart is edge as code, right? And Great concept, great conversation. I know a lot of people talk cloud, cloud, cloud. In fact, a lot of the conversations that are happening out there are the two C words, right? It's cyber and cloud. But Edge has a lot to do with both of those. So in order to kick it off, Edge as code, how do we even get here? How do we even begin this conversation?
1: Sure. So I think it wasn't that long ago that cloud was the new hotness. I think in a lot of cases, people are still very interested in cloud uh, the you know commercial industry is very interested in cloud from a, an elasticity of demand perspective, right? They're able to stand up uh, infrastructure very quickly. Um, whether you're you know building the next Twitter, or the next Instagram, or whatever, uh, you don't want to have to build a global network of servers and networks and things like that to reach your your customers. And so the cloud becomes uh, this capability, this opportunity to do that in this scale up and scale down world. Uh, and in order to do that, right, the traditional Approach to technology has been uh, to to stand up a new server, to stand up a new application. There's this this 50 page run book of steps where an engineer has to sit through and hand jam uh, all of the different things to to stand up an application. Well, in the global economy, in the in the uh, scale up and scale down. Uh, mentality of the cloud, you, you can't really afford to do that. And so uh, what industry came up with was this idea of infrastructure as code. How do I define all of those capabilities in a declarative framework that lets me uh, spin up services and spin down services without somebody hand jamming on the keyboard?
0: When you say infrastructure as code, I think, or assuming me, edge as code, I think, it, to your point, it spurs from the idea of infrastructure as code. So don't hand jam it. Use a more programmatic way of doing it. I think one of the things we have to, and I, the term that I'm using more and more nowadays is the idea of demystify, right? Because I think in our world, in the technology world in particular, we say a lot of these isms and we talk about these concepts without a lot of real, especially an in initial conversation, with a lot, a lot of um, meat to the to the conversation. So, edge as code, help me with the as code because when you say as code, it could be are we, are we talking about COBOL? We're we talking about BASIC? What are we talking about here? What does as code mean?
1: Yeah. So uh, definitionally, if you look at the concept of infrastructure as code, I'm kind of a sucker for a definition. So if you take take the word infrastructure, two words: infra and structure. Infra means underneath, right? So infrared is underneath the visual uh, spectrum of light. So whatever's underneath and the structure that you build underneath, those are pretty easy words to understand. When we think about roads and you know power grids and things like that that are infrastructure. In the in the IT world, that's it might be servers or other primitives. Um, you know, networking, storage, compute, those types of deals that are underneath the, the hood. And sometimes even ex- extended up to the application layer. Um, so infrastructure, right? The, the basis of what we need to build to support what we need to do, right? Because the roads aren't the point of, of your mission, right? The road, right. the, the getting to where you're going is the point. Right. The infrastructure is what helps you get there. And so the infrastructure as code, uh, code is typically any kind of a plain text, human readable format. Something that you can uh, very cleanly understand what does this do? you know what are the components? this how does this break down? What's the architecture that goes into this? So take all of that infrastructure and then define it with human readable, understandable, version controllable code, not a you know 50 page runbook of of how to build the service.
0: That's a different concept. That's a shift, right? In the last 20 years, uh, infrastructure was you know we had infrastructure engineers. we had sysadmins and people who understood the server architecture and the network architecture. Are you saying that with this idea of infrastructure's code and ultimately we're talking about today, edge's code, that there should be a different way of doing this? Do we not need those people anymore? Is this a different skill set? Or how do you actually enact this? How do you enable this in a in an organization? Is it technology, people, process, all the above?
1: It's a bit all of the above, right? The the, the various silos of, of IT have been a challenge for a long time in terms of uh, agility and being able to make change. And so for a specific the task that you may need to do, you may need to get five different tickets worked on by five different departments. Uh, and the idea of infrastructure as code and, and now even the, the DevOps, DevSecOps concept is to how, to how do we bridge those gaps? How do we bring those silos together? Set a process, right, that helps people uh, apply infrastructure dynamically, right? Uh, declare it in code in a way that everybody can understand. And the the other C word you mentioned, the cyber folks, mm-hmm. can really clearly articulate and repeat to make Um, you know, the building of that infrastructure according to spec, according to that's repeatable, that's reliable, that's trainable.
0: So we've been manufacturing cars in in America for a long time. And one of the things I always found fascinating about the car manufacturing process is that as good as they are and as good as they've gotten worldwide, whether it's an American manufacturer or or, or an import, there's still recalls. And these recalls typically are very arduous, Right? hey, something happened where you now need to bring that vehicle to a dealership, change something out, and then move on. So that to me was the old way of doing business for cars, right? And recalls. And and unless it, and and that's kind of the way that it was done in in quote IT world. If something was broken, if something was busted, you got to put hands on, you got to have someone rebuild it, redo it, restart it. So just recently, Tesla China had a, a report come out, a safety report come out that said when turning based on how the uh, steering is set up and based on how the controls are set up, you could accelerate the car, right? As you were turning the car, you were going to go hit your turn signal. There could be an acceleration because of how the cruise control setup was. Well, Tesla says there's 230,000 cars affected by this, or 280,000 cars, don't, don't quote me on the number, but they issued a recall. The way they fixed the recall was an over-the-air update to all the Teslas that were affected, right? Is, is, is that a good... Um, parallel to kind of what you're talking about, the idea of infrastructure as code, be able to say, hey, look, we want to be able to take those changes and and be able to make that change on the fly and declare this is what needs to be fixed. This is what we're going to do. Or we need to reinstall the OS as an example. Is that too far of a stretch or is that that kind of along the same lines? And I'd like to dissect that a little bit because I know I'm, I'm probably oversimplifying it, but that's kind of how I work.
1: Yeah, I think there's a there's a case to be made that that there's there's some things you could connect there. Um, you know, the hardware to software discussion. Um, you know, not all our all, all hardware problems can be fixed in software.
0: Sure, um,
1: but um, yeah, there there is a case to be made for that. One of the the interesting things about infrastructure as code, in particular, is that you know, in, in a lot of ways, that infrastructure can be ephemeral. Right, so it can be both sure. ephemeral, so disposable. I can tear it down and rebuild it at any time, uh, without much without much pain. You know, a Tesla, you probably can't tear down and rebuild sure. at the hardware level, um, but the software stack, if that's something that can be can be brought in and torn down and pulled out into its different pieces and refactored and put back together um, and used as the the basis for the future, I think that would be a good fit for for infrastructure as code in that regard.
0: So, just to kind of walk the walk that journey so far the world changed because of a lot of different reasons right the 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 ask of technology became not a afterthought but it became a part of the way of life right whether it's business whether it was government whether it was you trying to find out where your stimulus check was or whether you were trying to log in and post a picture right it just became a way of life so technology dependence became really the 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 framework of why all these companies had to make these changes. So whether it was Facebook or Twitter or Google, they had to respond to customers, us, right? We were asking a lot. They had to respond. And in order to respond, they figured out different ways of doing what they were already doing. And it couldn't be done the old way. It couldn't be done with just tens and 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people trying to maintain and manage all these servers and manage and maintain all this infrastructure. So they had to figure out a different way. They can't grow to the scale that they're at without that. Along that journey, what they also understood, and again, this is how I understand, it correct me if I'm wrong, is that there's a lot of benefits that come from that. Speed, agility, the ability to um, respond to changes in the environment, changes to the business environment, changes to the mission environment, but also things like security, also things like compliance, also things like, hey, all of a sudden, we now have a new threat we need to respond to. What are you gonna do, send people everywhere and physically fix the infrastructure or be able to fix it from a code standpoint? And not decouple those things so hard so that it's one or the other, but look at the whole infrastructure as code, including that edge. So would you say then that lesson learned, those lessons learned are then being pulled down to the edge because, you know, for the last X number of years, a lot of those innovations have started in the cloud, started with the hyperscalers and then pushed back down. Would you say edge is a cloud concept in your world? or a non-cloud concept in your world? And this is a little bit of a trick question. Sure,
1: I think the, the idea that, that that we're pushing is the idea of taking the cloud native technologies, the things we've talked about like infrastructure as code and, and Kubernetes and other containerized platforms that treat infrastructure that way and exporting them to the edge um, and bringing them to the edge, not necessarily. So if you look at our kind of our cloud approach over the last decade or so, um, we kind of started out with let's let's just move everything to the cloud. Let's lift and shift. Let's do a cloud migration. You know, cloud cloud cloud. cloud. And then some folks said, hey, some of those apps aren't um, you know ready to go to the cloud. And then the, the new edict was, well, any new development needs to be cloud first. Um, and those so those kind of came out. And then as folks came forward and said, hey, we have this edge thing um, in in a DoD sense, uh, a, a denied environment, a DDL environment. We don't always have that connectivity. Um, what about us um, the the concept kind of shifted to how do we do service projection how do we take applications from the cloud project them out to the edge um, and then you know, repatriate the data whenever we get around to it so that we can still operate in that way uh, the new wave of, of cloud to edge that we're you know really latching onto is taking those methodologies and, and the, you know, the cloud native, the infrastructure's code, the ephemeral and disposable infrastructure and immutable infrastructure and it exporting that to the edge. Because one, a lot of the challenges, like you mentioned a minute ago with with the hyperscale folks, the Facebooks and Twitters and, and Instagram, um, they're, they don't have time to babysit a system. Mm-hmm. So if there's a particular server, and the way this works a lot of times in the DoD is, or in, even in enterprise, um, we built something and it maybe it broke or it didn't work quite right. But we did something else to to fix it and to patch it. And it took us you know a bunch of manual steps and troubleshooting to get it to a point where it was functional. And now nobody wants to touch it, right? Right? Because you know if we touch it, you might break it. Don't breathe on it. Don't even turn it off. Leave it on. Um, and what that does is it, it hampers that agility. It hampers their ability to go faster. They don't want to upgrade it you know to the newest version of software to the newest patches because at any point it could it could break. Right? So they treat it. Uh, almost like a pet. They treat it like you know something that's precious, as opposed to the infrastructure as code model that the hyperscale providers have adopted is just shoot it and start over, right? Turn it, b- burn it down, rebuild it, and then you have a known good baseline. And if something changes, you change the baseline. And then instead of trying to patch and, and spoon feed that system to get it up to the new snuff, you wipe it and start over. Um, and, and that's the the way that's what's enabled the hyperscale folks to do what they do and adapt to the changing you know landscape of planetary scale for for Facebook
0: I like that term planetary scale I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that from you but to touch on that you said earlier the goal is to take some of the stuff or what we've learned so far is we take some of those lessons learned those technologies in that cloud environment and quote export them to the edge but that's not easy right that's not like you can't just pick up that that stuff, that code, and just say, okay, well, I'm going to put it on the edge. There's expertise behind that, and I think that's what what a lot of people are finding. Do you want to kind of talk through that a little bit? Because that's what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling.
1: Absolutely. So the, um, you know, and the planetary scale phrase is borrowed from Kubernetes, so uh, you can give them credit for that one. What we what we saw is kind of similar to what we saw with the migration to cloud when we said some of the applications aren't ready to go to cloud. Um, some of the legacy infrastructure, whether it's routers and switches and firewalls and, and other things, aren't ready to go to the cloud native structure. They're not purpose built. So if you look at what our friends at HashiCorp and others are doing around infrastructure as code, it's very much a cloud first, cloud centric approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, because that's where the, the scale is needed, that's where the the point of need was in the beginning. And now we're trying to take that lesson and apply it to the edge. And what we're finding is there's a lot of legacy down at the edge, just in the way there was legacy in the application space that we tried to move. Uh, So it takes a lot of understanding of of those primitives of the network, of the storage of the, you know, uh, of of the compute requirements at the edge, uh, to take those models and, and, you know, permutate them to work
0: in an edge environment. So are you contending will that over time, especially as the edge evolves, as it gets more complex, as cloud becomes a way of doing things, not just a place to do things, that there will be, you know, an edge expert, just like there's a cloud expert, if you will. Because right now, if you produce job boards, you go look at what people are hiring for, you go look at open positions and, and titles, it's cloud architect, it's um, director of cloud, it's cloud This. do you think there becomes a point where the edge is just as important and there's someone who is the edge architect? There is someone who is the edge operations manager, not just a cloud operations manager. Or do you think it always is a a subset of what cloud is
1: well i think the the understanding of cloud is a little misguided in some ways where the cloud is not a magical thing right the same primitives that exist at the edge whether it's storage compute networking are in the data center in a cloud right if you go to amazon data centers you're going to see you know you might see some extra fpgas and gpus and other services that they offer because of their scale but it's it's drives and storage and networking and and all the same things right so the um the, the, the disciplines of, of the cloud um, are are applicable to the edge because they're they're similar in terms of their primitives they just have different software stacks right and and more and more that software stack is being standardized into kubernetes right? whether that's openshift or Rancher or, or or homegrown whatever that looks like anthos or, or some of the other uh, capabilities but that Kubernetes is becoming the lingua franca of the edge even. Um, it's still not quite there. There's still some work to be done, I think, to to find all those those legacy edge you know, endpoints. Um, but I, I think those skill sets are going to merge in the future. Today they're not necessarily there. right' they're still you're still dealing with legacy
0: infrastructure. Do you think that's also why the concept of edge as code is that much more important? Because you necessarily as you merge those two skill sets as there's more uh, overlap between the technologies, Kubernetes, containerization, software defined X, do you think there's more, because of that, the idea of infrastructure's code, infrastructure's edge becomes that much more important, becomes more of a baseline. No longer will it be a thing that we will do. It's a thing that, a thing that it's basically how we do, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the normal operating procedure for more businesses, more organizations, governments, et cetera um do you see a path there or do you see that it's it's not looked at that level yet do you think people really understand how important the edge concept is to really making the cloud model work
1: Uh, I think if I've learned anything in technology uh, over the last number of years is that we will always be in a transition, whether that's uh, the pendulum swinging to the cloud or swinging back to the edge or vice versa, we're always going to live in that space. And and I firmly believe that the future of the space is software defined. It's it's going to be software driven, it's going to be uh, declared in code so that we can express the intent, right? Whether it's intent-based networking or whatever that is, software SD-WAN, whatever. In, in that way. Now, as we transition, we're going to need to work through the legacy challenges of of existing infrastructure and those types of things. And there will be a time in which that stuff, hopefully you know, modernizes and, and gets us to the point where it is, it is more cloud native in its behavior. Um, so what I think is interesting about Edge as code in particular, uh, or Edge infrastructure as code, is that if you lay the groundwork now, uh, with some of your legacy systems when those systems at the edge become more capable of or maybe more natively cal- cloud native to, to to mince words you'll be able to repatriate that technology back to the cloud so as you put these investments into edge's code you can reap the benefits in the cloud as code just at the same time, and then give yourself a single pane of, of management and, and a single way of doing things. So you don't have a silo of cloud people and a silo of edge people, right? You just have an infrastructure. You have a, a service mesh, a you know an, an enterprise that, that doesn't really matter where it's physically located. You're still going to use the same methodologies moving forward. And I think the, the cloud native methodology is going to win. Uh, so might as well take that to the edge and apply that now.
0: So second to last question for you before we get to the big one. How do you get there, right? How do you start? What do you do? And I know that's a long conversation, but what, in, in some of the things that you've seen in some of the projects that you've been involved in, trying to help a customer or or an organization get from where they are now to really understanding and embracing edge as code, what are some of those steps, some of those both cultural and also technology changes that you have to make? Because that's, That's what people want. People want to be able to say, okay, if I want to do this, what do I need to do? How do I get started?
1: I think step one is to start. Um, I think we always think that we need some large excuse or large program, um, to get going, but, uh, most organizations are doing uh, infrastructure as code, or at least an automation or orchestration uh, at some level. Whether that's a, a single person with a script, a folder full of scripts on their desktop, um, or you know, a folder on SharePoint—God forbid—with uh, with different scripts and, and baselines in it. You, there are there are pockets of this going on in all kinds of units across the the, the DoD and, and the enterprise, and, and in the IC world especially. Uh, so, I think acknowledging that that's, that's the case, and then making sure that the, the tooling and the, uh, the platform for that to move forward is, is started to lay the groundwork. Uh, for so having things like version control with things like GitLab or um, you know places to put the code so it's accessible so you can start building a repository of capabilities that you can then layer on task orchestration tools like Ansible Tower uh, to pull those those uh, scripts and playbooks out and then having sources of truth uh, using things like NetBox where you can define how your network should be um, you know in in code uh, and then convert all those toolings together so I think it's a it's a starting process it's a um, finding out what you have, it's a discovery of what you have, and then looking at how do you because everyone wrote those scripts to solve a a need, right, they had a problem, they wrote a script, Uh, they did a thing uh, to make their job easier. Um, How do we make sure that we propagate that throughout the enterprise? And then as that evolves, um, you can then take that into more areas. You can you can uh, mature it uh, and start doing things like test driven infrastructure development, where you have models of the network and um, you can apply a change through a pull request in Git instead of a Putty SSH into a to a switch to see what happens. Maybe uh, you can you can run a test uh, before you apply it to production. Um, you know, using a CI/CD pipeline like like something in, inside of GitLab.
0: You know what's interesting. Um funny is probably not the term but ironic is probably the term. You know, w- when you talk to infrastructure, the what I call traditional infrastructure people, folks that are either um, hands-on on the networking side or hands-on on the sysadmin, server infrastructure side, DBAs, what they'll always what Ooh. I always hear initially is, "Hey, we're just, you know, we're infrastructure people. I don't want to talk about code. I don't want to talk about code." When you go sit down with them, you really start to under- talk about what they do. Every single one of them has a a toolbox full of scripts. Little shortcuts that they've written, you know, back in the day, macros that they that they created to make something easier, DBAs, which aren't secure, by the way, right? Yeah, there's
1: nobody checking to make sure those are safe ways of operating.
0: But they all have them, so they're doing this. They need to operationalize it. They need to embrace it on a larger level, and and make it a kind of a fabric versus a a break fix. So it's it's that that initial conversation. I think that wall always goes up. Well, I'm not a code person. I I don't. I'm not a developer. And I don't think we're, what what you're prescribing is for your infrastructure people to be necessarily quote, developers, but to be able to understand what are those actions that need to be taken? How do you then put that in a declarative language? How do you then put that in a process so that people can make it very, very easy to use, automated it, if you will, right? Orchestrated it so I can say, I need this to ha- happen and and it kind of takes care of itself. You still need that skill set because these folks understand the infrastructure and then be able to slowly shepherd them into this idea, well, there's a better way to declare what the framework looks like versus you having to hand jam it every time. So I think there's that initial resistance, but from what I've seen in, in folks that I've talked to, they have skill sets and it's now retooling a little bit, maybe learning something new, maybe getting out there and learning Python. But most infrastructure folks, I think will probably appreciate things like Python so that they can make that job easier. They were doing scripting, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50, hundred, not hundred years ago, but it, it's been around, right? It's been something that they're doing. So it's interesting when, when we talk about quote scripting and the infrastructure folks, it's it's um, that initial wall will go down when you start to have that conversation.
1: So yeah, I think one of the challenges there that we see, um, or what we found is a lot of times those infrastructure people are not doing high level infrastructure work. They're doing remedial, you know, day to day, I need a new VLAN, I need a new a new server. I need a new application. They're not actually doing their, you know, their, their smart people things. Hmm. They're doing very um, menial, repetitive, you know, even error prone tasks that are ripe for automation. They're ripe for infrastructure as code uh, models. So let your smart people do smart people stuff, right? Don't ask them to do, you know, stuff that can be easily automated. So we can kind of raise the quality of, of their time. So they get to do the fun stuff instead of the, the silly stuff or waiting for a progress bar or waiting for, you know, something to install.
0: It's interesting. I think that's a concept that we don't talk about enough or we don't, I don't hear enough, which is the idea isn't to replace anybody, isn't to replace your, your, your high level smart people is to take those things that they should be spending time on, right. And be able to say, you shouldn't spend time on, like you said, getting a VLAN or, or something on the server side. It's those higher level things, spend the time and automate or infrastructure as code or edges code those other pieces to give you some of that time and freedom back. So that's a that's a really, really good interesting point because again, I don't think that's talked about enough.
1: No, and I think COVID taught us that um, we're probably one deep in a lot of places. Um, you know, there may be one smart guy or smart gal that can do a particular task. And if, you know, if they're out sick or not in the office that day, you might be stuck. And so, you know, being able to, to introduce a little bit of automation, a little bit of automated testing uh, before they apply the change could, could let you, you know, balance the load a little bit better across your personnel.
0: That's a really good point. I think COVID, uh, especially in the automation side, infrastructure's code side was, was probably, probably help people transform faster than anything else before it, right. To get there faster. All right, sir now um comes the the infamous famous question this is all great i you know great talk great discussion if you were able to encompass this and kind of give give it to me in one so what right what is that so what why do people care why should they care Um, that's the bottom line
1: absolutely um i i think why people should care is that The cloud isn't going anywhere, the methodologies and the way of doing business in the cloud um, is going to win out, Um, it's going to be the wave of the world moving forward. And the edge has been this place where a lot of innovation can still happen. Uh, A lot of the data gets processed and and captured and collected still at the edge. Um, And we that's where the users are. Um, And so being able to improve the way that we do business at the edge increases the the agility of the organization to respond to the next threat, whether that be a near peer uh, adversary in, in the uh, in the DoD sense, um, or uh, you know domestic terror or whatever that would look like. Being able to prepare for that and be agile to do those things at the edge is going to require doing business differently, and I think edge as code, edge infrastructure as code is the way to do that.
0: I think um, it's inevitable, right? It has to in order to keep up with the, the speed of, of business, the speed of mission, the speed of change that's out there now. You can't keep doing business at the edge the way that you used to, but yet want to leverage cloud on the other side um, at that velocity, at that speed, so.
1: Right, the elasticity and the scalability that we loved about the cloud, right, that, that then followed to the infrastructure as code. But now if we're able to take the infrastructure as code models and bring them to the edge, we can now do the elasticity of the edge. We can do the scaling, you know, the the flexible consumption model that you love about the cloud, you can now do at the edge because you're able to tear up, you know, tear down and, and build up those services on demand rather than, you know, waiting and keeping them in a connect
0: somewhere. Very well said. So Mr. Willester, thank you again, sir. This is um, right at the, uh, the time mark, but again, very, very informative, very good. I don't think this is a, a one segment conversation. I think this is probably something worthy of a series that we can start breaking some of these edge concepts down. The idea of edges code, you know, being able to talk about the framework. How do you get started? Um, some of the, the lessons learned, I think we should probably incorporate into the next set of series or the next series, um, of the podcast. What do you think?
1: Happy to talk about it. All
0: right, sir. Thank you again. I appreciate your time. Um, thank you all for watching. One thing I always ask is, good or bad. We love comments. We love feedback. We want to know if we're hitting the mark, not hitting the mark. If we are able to answer more questions, um, please engage with us. Let us know if we're, uh, we're actually answering some of these questions that you have. Thank you again.